welcome to War Council. My name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm Phil Clark with Brushwork Minis. And War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. Uh, today is June 1st, and this is episode 29. This is our interview with the Army Painter, take two. Uh, yes. We uh, have been trying to get up with Bo from the Army Painter. Uh, not con- not to be confused with the Armed Painter or Army Painter, but the Army Painter. I, f- I find that you have to mm. these days, there's, you know... A phrase like army painter is so generic, kind of, that you have to really, like, dig down. So it's thearmypainter.com. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, we tried to get up with him a few weeks ago on the podcast and uh, weren't able to get up with him. But we do have him today. Uh, he's in Denmark, so we're recording this at 9 a.m. today, uh, 3 p.m. his time. And uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit later in the show about uh, all things army painter, including how paint is manufactured how they came up with their range of colors, um, what's on the horizon for them. Uh, and I'm very excited. I've never actually mm-hmm. spoke with someone who manufactures paint before. So that's, for me, this is kind of exciting because it kind of feel like it's like watching a cooking show. Like my wife is really into these cooking shows and um, we're doing <laughs> these house remodeling shows. So I feel like this is the geek equivalent of that. Yeah. Kind of like seeing behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Um, so uh, we just got back from Memorial Day weekend. How was your Memorial Day? Uh, it was nice. Um... Didn't really do anything at all. Just hung out at the house. Just so. hung out. Just had a staycation. I had, I had a, yeah, I had a long trip in Vermont this past week, so got oh back yeah, that's that, good. And that was that was nice and relaxing. How is so. Vermont? Vermont's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The rolling hills, mountains, beautiful trees. It was beautiful weather. It was like seventy to eighties, like every that's day. Good. Cool. Yeah. No humidity. Yeah. Right now we're suffering here in North Carolina. Yeah, it's kind of blankety. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Taking a second shower when you walk outside. It's yeah, wonderful. it's a little gross. I've got a friend who says he showers three times a day, and I used to think that was crazy, uh, but now I kind of get it. Like I kind of understand why. It's not really about stink. It's about sweat. I don't know if that's healthy though. Taking three showers a day? I oh, I don't know. I haven't, like, I haven't touched his skin to be like, how dry is your skin? Yeah. Um, but I think that would be a little a little too personal. Yeah, maybe. A little spacey and baby. Um, we went out of town. We went camping for the weekend. Um, we always go to this place in Virginia called Chickahominy Riverfront Park. And we drank too much, and we were too loud, and we ate too much good food. Um, but it was fantastic. We did depart a little bit early because of the fact that we had this um, tropical storm kind of blow in. Mm. Um, so we, we didn't we'll want to be packing up in the mud. Um, so we kind of, we kind of pulled out a little bit early but overall it was just a fantastic week and i got a little hobbying in while i was there although it's really hard to concentrate while you're camping uh like you pull up a picnic table and other people are enjoying themselves relaxing having a beer and i'm off like 50 feet on my own like a fucking hermit <laughs> painting fucking models there's that weird guy over here yeah comes for sure hangs out by uh, himself and just plays um, with toy soldiers right yeah and um uh pablo from um from Frontline Gaming was like, you should take some pictures. And like, so I did that. I took some pictures, posted on Instagram. And if you look in the background, you can see like the campsite. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't help feel a little sad. Like I could only do so much. I did, I mean, I did quite a bit while I was there. I probably worked for about 16 hours over the, over the weekend. Um, so it's not like it was not a successful trip. But one of these days I want to be caught up enough that I don't have to work when I go camping. Mm. I can just be like, I'm not taking shit this year. I wonder if part of it though is that we're so used to working that it's hard it not to take yeah because yeah, when i'm gone it, because it's my hobby and yeah. my job i kind of get an itch like i gotta scratch yeah. that itch to paint sure. or build or do something so I, i'm always like, like last i have a, a tuesday night D game and i actually always bring something to assemble while i'm there so last night i was working on um the silver tower um set which we're going to talk about a little bit later kind of a surprise commission we got um uh so i was assembling that and like you said it's hard to turn it off like mm-hmm. i calculate my work week is about 80 hours now 
Um, because I work from the time I get up to the time I go to bed, minus meals, and I do mm-hmm. it seven days a week. So it's like, it's a little excessive, um, and I'm, I'm kind of ready for that to slow down. But until like we get um, a little more support, unfortunately, our business is just such that I, I have to paint. I have to, mm-hmm. like, which is fine. I mean, I like, I like painting, but um, what I'm hoping to do is sort of transition more into an administrative role in the future. And let you guys tackle more of the painting and kind of something like that. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so long story short, um, we're both back from Memorial Day. We're ready to crank again. Um, before we get too deep into this, though, I want to talk a little bit about this thing that happened over Memorial Day weekend that I thought was kind of funny. Um, and I wanted to kind of go over sort of how it happened, what happened, and what I kind of learned from the experience. Because at this point, we're kind of getting um, to the point that the studio is building up. It's gaining credibility. Um, we're, 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 I think we're recognized in the industry now as one of the, I wouldn't say necessarily one of the biggest, we're not in the top like 10, right. but we're probably in the top 20, I would say. We're, we're getting around. Um, we, we support ourselves full-time through our hobby, which is saying a lot, um, and we support multiple persons through our, through our studio, which I think is pretty good. So I would say that, long story short, we're a well-supported studio, we're well-recognized, well, well we have a competitive pricing structure. So this is a long way of saying that I feel very comfortable with where we are right now. Okay, so about two years ago, we got hired to do this um, Lizardmen Army, Um, and um, like all projects, when I get done with a project, what I do is I photograph the models individually, and I put them up on eBay as kind of a sample product. So for example, let's say I paint um, a Space Marine Devastator Squad. We put that up on eBay as a sample commission because we want to reach out to people any way we can. Um, Now, at the time that this Lizardmen Army was painted, um, I was pricing according to what my competitors were pricing at. So, for example, a squad of, let's say, um, 10 source warriors, there were people who were posting those things on eBay, commission services. Usually they were based out of somewhere like Sri Lanka or China or Laos or somewhere like that. So they were overseas. And they were pricing, at, so let's say, something like $225. So I wanted to compete. So I priced it the same way. Um, so I might have posted something on, on, on eBay like a squad of 10 source warriors commissioned 225 And at the time, that was a competitive rate for me because this was years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, in the it's, it's sort of surprising, but sometimes we have stuff up on eBay that doesn't sell. Like sometimes we'll have, in this case, the entire Lizardmen army, which had skinks and had source warriors and temple guard and just um, crocs warriors, it had everything. We broke those down into individual lots to show people what we could do. So we might have a lot up there that says like 16 skinks or whatever. But Lizardmen apparently are not a very popular army. I haven't sold one lot of any of them since then. And this is a commission service. not like I'm not selling those models. I'm selling the commission. Mm-hmm. So people could, could commission right. that and that sort of thing. Um, so this is a long way of saying that I, wasn't, I didn't have a good reason to reevaluate those auctions since they went up. And they've been up for about a year and a half. All right. So now flash forward to, to last year when we reevaluated our pricing structure. So we bumped all of our prices up across the board. Now, when I go to eBay and I list something on eBay, uh, I will list it at a price level that is comparable to what we do currently. So let's say we do a squad of 10 TAC Marines. So what I'll do is I'll take the, the price of the box at our discount. I'll take the price per model, which is about 14 bucks at the tabletop level. Um, I'll add those together. I'll incorporate a buffer zone for the purpose of um, fees and the purpose of negotiating. So the clients can negotiate with me a little bit, a little wiggle room. And then I'll list that as the price on eBay. Now, that may be way over what my competitors are doing. But that's what I feel appropriate is appropriate to our business. Makes sense, yeah. So that's kind of how I price today. 
the problem with this was, and what happened is this weekend while I was vacationing, I got a text on or a, an email from eBay messages on Friday afternoon saying this guy was interested in doing a lizardman project. So he wanted to do like a lizardman army and he was asking about pricing. And before we got too deep into it, he wanted to know a little bit more about our pricing structure and how we price. So without, you know, kind of giving away any firm details, he had a, a, a commission where he wanted about 90 models done. It was something like 20 temple guard, uh, 30 source warriors, maybe um, 45 or so skinks, something like that. So it was about 80, 90 models. So, I know the pricing structure of my website well by now. So even though I wasn't at home, I wasn't at a computer, I always am looking for our next gig. I'm looking for our next opportunity. So I took the time, and I emailed him back. That's one of the nice things. Even when camping with a <laughs> smartphone, you can respond to quotes. Now, normally when I respond to a quote from a client, I sit there and I do a detailed estimate. I provide links to the galleries, that kind of thing. But I was feeling good. I was feeling really confident because of the fact that we've been at this for a while, and I knew the pricing levels. Um, so I created a quote form. In addition to that, I said, like, look at this pricing level, because the quote was something like 1700 bucks. So I was like, we can offer you a discount on product at this much. We can offer you a discount on services. The discount was something like $200 or something like that. Um, and then in addition to that, I offered him a few incentives, like a, a fat mat from Frontline Gaming, um, like a 3 by 3 fat mat from them. Um, and I offered him maybe a terrain credit. So normal incentives. So it was, it was a good deal, I felt like. Then he comes, he comes back and he asks, well, let's drop these off the list and let's reevaluate this way. So I redid the quote, revised it, sent that to him. So now we have two different numbers floating out there in space. We have this one, the big quote, and we have a little quote. Uh, and then he asked what I thought was a very appropriate question, which was, I don't understand because on eBay, when I price this out using your auction system, this comes in way lower. And... I didn't understand what he meant at first. And I was like, I don't, I don't get how that's even possible because of the way I price. What I didn't realize at the time was the eBay auctions he were talking about were the old auctions that were priced for my competitors. And so he asked how that's possible. And I, I said basically, well, the only thing I can think of is that I, these were from years ago and I haven't updated the auction since then. So he priced it out himself and he's like, look, if I did it, through your eBay site, it would be this much, which would be hundreds less than the quote you gave me originally. So now we've got, and he's like, and that's even, that's with you providing the models, not even me providing the models. So now we have three numbers floating out in space. We have the big quote, which is the original quote. We have the second quote, which is the smaller quote, which is at a lower discount because of lower model count. And then we have him creating his own kind of quote going through our, our, our eBay page which came in between. It basically came in higher than the lowest quote and lower than the highest quote. So from his point of view, it looks like our pricing structure is all over the board. Right. Like we can't nail a price to save our life, and I'm just making up numbers off the top of my head, <laughs> which is as far from as far from right. reality as it can be. Like you know how I operate. Like I, I have a very like we have a very detailed pricing system. What would have saved all of this is if I had priced it appropriately on eBay. And I've gone back since then and I've, I've repriced those auctions. But what irritated me was that, you know, basically for all intents and purposes, I gave this guy a really bad impression of our, our business. Mm-hmm. So I went from feeling very good about our business to like, oh shit, like it is very possible and like you know, to look bad still. Um, and, the, and the guy was like, yeah. look, you know, you know, he was like, maybe when you get your pricing structure together, 
you know, we'll do business. So I was like, my pricing structure is together. Like, it's just, it's just, it's an eBay mishap. mishap. So I kind of wanted to explain that a little bit because it was sort of like, uh, you know, kind of a shot in the dark. Like, oh shit, I didn't, I, I fucked up. Um, That's that's a problem, I guess, with eBay that I didn't consider until you just mentioned that is that when you got those 30 days, it just kind of automatically reset, right? And they reset all the time. And the thing is, it's like, and he asked, which I thought was a valid question. It's like, I don't understand how you could not know that the pricing was accurate, inaccurate. And the thing is, is we have over, we have almost 500 auctions up right now and they renew every 30 days, all of them. So I only go in there and edit auctions when there's a need. Like if I come up with new pictures for an auction, and every time I go in and edit an auction, I reevaluate the pricing. But the, the the sad part is, is that we hadn't sold any lizard men since the original army sold. Either it's, it's not, not a popular army. It's not a popular not, army. Yeah. So it's just bad luck. But in this case, those circumstances all added up to make us look like a poor service. Right. And this came a week or two after the Mad Max Army was debuted on um, on Spiky Bit. So I was feeling very good. I was feeling very confident. And in this case, I was like, we do know what we're doing. Right. I'm sorry that this has given you a bad impression of us, but the reality is most of the time, um, this doesn't happen. This is fine. Um, anyway, so I wanted to explain that a little bit um, uh, about how that worked and how that happened. And and uh, I, you know, just if this, if that guy is listening to the show or ever does listen, we apologize. Like yeah, that's, that's that's not the impression I wanted you to have of our business. Yeah, it's, it's just, just a mistake. It's human error, and that's a human error on my part. But anyway, all right. So uh, it's the moment you guys have all been waiting for. Last week on the show, we announced we were going to be giving away a fat mat on episode twenty nine. Now, to be clear, this is a fat mat from Frontline Gaming. Uh, Reese and all the guys over there at Frontline Gaming uh, just put out these incredible mats. They're gaming mats. They are designed for war gamers by war gamers. Um, so specifically, these mats come in a variety of sizes, 3x3, 4x4, 6x4. We're going to give away any mat you like, any one mat. So if you like a 3x3, if you like a 6x4, let's be honest, you're probably going to pick a 6x4. That makes sense. Uh, but maybe you like one of the designs in a 3x3, or maybe you like the 4x4 because it matches the game system you use. I don't know. Uh, But regardless of which, you can pick any one mat if you win the mat giveaway. Here's how the mat giveaway is going to work. Here's how it's going to go down. Uh, We are going to be posting the live link to episode 29 on the show. So uh, we go to the Facebook page. We post uh, a link to the live show, or to the show, rather, every time we do a new episode. So we're going to post that link on the Facebook page. So go to Facebook, look up War Council. You're going to see an ad that says War Council episode 29 is now live. When you see that ad pop up uh, on the day that 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 graces itself on Facebook, make a comment. You have two weeks from the time of that post uh, up until uh, basically the next podcast, because we normally podcast every two weeks. So you have two weeks from the time that ad posts before we do the draw. Um, so anyone who enters up until that time will be randomly entered into the draw. What we're going to do is we'll probably announce the winner on episode 30 because uh, that will time out pretty well. So again, to summarize, look on Facebook for War Council. Uh, look for the episode 29 post and leave a comment. What do you have to comment? Anything you like. You can say what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. You can tell us our feet smell bad. It doesn't really matter. As long as you make some comment about the show, try to keep it PG if you can, uh, you're entered into the contest. Boom! That's it. That's as simple as it gets. Uh, you know, we couldn't make this easier. We would love it 
if you would leave us a review on iTunes, if you would rate us on iTunes. So please feel free to go over there, leave us a rating about the show. We want to know what you guys think. Uh, but in the meantime, you don't have to rate us on iTunes to win the mat. The only thing you have to do is go to Facebook and comment on the podcast. And that's it. You'll be entered randomly to win. So if there's 15 people that may leave comment, that one of those 15 people is going to win the mat. That's it. It's going to be shipped directly from Frontline Gaming straight to your home. It's not even going to come here first. It's going to go straight to you. They ship by UPS. They ship fast. They ship safe. That mat's going to come to you, and you're just going to be able to play on it immediately. So that's it. Uh, check out FrontlineGaming.com, uh, uh, or .org, I think, uh, to check out all of their mats, or just follow the link in the show notes. That's the simpler way. Uh, and then once this uh, page goes live on the Facebook page, leave a comment. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. All right, well, let's move on. Um, so last time on the show, we talked about the referral painting program. Remember that? I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. So we had our first service come forward. Um, I'm not going to name them at this time because we're still working out the details. Um, but we had one service who wants to jump on board. Cool. Um, so we're going to give it a try. We're going right. to sort it out and see how that works. Um, and the whole idea of this program is basically that if you're a paint service and you're trying to get started, it's hard to compete. So this allows you kind of a leg up yeah. and allows us to service clients that we are a little long of the tooth for. Um, clients that look at our quote and it's a little high for them. So they can price with a service that's lower, that's newer, that doesn't have as many overhead expenses as we do. Um, So they may make the same profit margin, albeit their price quote is lower. So all we're doing is vetting those services. We're simply Mm -hmm. saying, here's a service we recommend. We think they're great. Um, We think they're up and coming. And so we're going to try it out and see how that works out. Uh, We do still have a slot for one more referral paint service. So if you're interested in being a part of that program, follow the link in the show notes, check it out, and uh, email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know about your service. Let us know about what you do, what you offer, and um, we'll be happy to talk with you about whether or not that's a good opportunity for you moving forward. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit before we get into the main show about um, some ch-ch-changes for White Metal Game coming up in the near mm-hmm. future. Um, to make a long story short, um, your living situation is about to change. Um, end of this month, yeah. End of the month. So your brother uh, is getting married. I don't know if we can talk about that. Yeah, that's but. fine. Yeah. So your brother's getting married, so you're basically having to move out. Um, so we've been looking around um, for a roommate for you for a while, and my assistant, Jonathan, is also looking for a rooming situation. Mm-hmm. And we have a painter in Northern Virginia named Valentin Malek, and he... Um, is also looking for a rooming situation. Yeah. So it, it, what I what I've effectively started calling Studio B yeah. is kind of what um, what we're talking about. It's about to launch. Yeah. So the idea here is, and this is an idea I had a, a long time ago, and I'm finally happy to see this come to fruition, is that you looked around for a home uh, to rent near mm-hmm. here, um, and effectively, in theory, you guys will all live together, and you'll yeah. like I'll rent out the, the second garage basically and turn that into a, a B studio. And I'm not for sure what we're going to use that for yet. It might be terrain. It might be uh, a paint area. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. We'll figure it out. But if this all works out, then you guys will be living together uh, in kind of this painting community. Like yeah. You can <laughs> learn from each other, teach each other. That's <laughs> the idea, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And for me, it's kind of great because the home that you guys are looking at is about a, is about a mile away from here. Not even. Yeah. It's so it's like I could bike there. Next street down. Yeah. <laughs> you can walk crazy. there. It's perfect. Uh, 
So the three of you could live together, and um, we can do that as kind of a... So one of the things I wanted to do is I need to expand. Um, in the garage is a mess. It's, it's the studio. It's just too too much. Yeah. Too much is going on. <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, now I use my dining room table all the time for projects, and um, we just need more space. But I can't quite afford uh, uh, an environment yet where we have to rent, like an industrial space. Mm. So this is sort of the, nas- the next natural step, I think. Um, kind of the next natural integration. I'm excited about it, so I think it's going to be great. It worked out perfectly, too, with the timing, so yeah, it's good. Um, all right, well, let's take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we're going to jump into On the Painting Desk, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, guys, PD Pop here from Frontline Gaming. Are you tired of playing tabletop games on the same old foldable table? Do you have to lug around a bulky Realm of Battle table terrain set? Looking for a gaming mat to match the theme of your army and wow your friends? Then look no further than the Frontline Gaming and Table Warp Batman series. Our fat mats are durable, waterproof, and come in 6x4 foot, 4x4 foot, and 3x3 foot sizes. With over 25 different images to choose from, we have a fat mat for every tabletop game. Get yours today at FrontlineGaming.org. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump in on the painting desk. Um, I'm going to let Philip start this one off because he is basically finishing up a massive project this week. Yeah, so uh, should be done today or tomorrow. Um, the Stormcast Eternal project that we've been talking about for the last almost, almost two, two months. months yeah, yeah, it'll, yeah. So um, it'll be coming to an end. Everything is uh, came together pretty nicely. Are you excited to see it finally come to an end? Yeah, really I'm looking forward to there. hearing the. Uh, uh, <laughs> so far, his yeah. feedback has been really good. Like he's yeah. loved everything we've done so far. So this is like the last thing that he really needs to see are the three platinums. Yeah. So this was sort of like the cream on top, the cherry on top, the. Yeah. Uh, the big, big cojona. And the, the three <laughs> platinums are the Star Drake, the Celestine, the Celestial Prime, or Celestine Prime. And the Celestine, uh, or Lord Celestine on Dracoth yeah. from the Star Drake. So pretty epic so, figures. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be excited to see what his final take on that is. You're finishing up the terrain. The terrain's coming together, albeit more slowly than I would have liked. And part of that is balancing um, uh, passive and active clients. And um, what I mean by that is we have an eBay store where we sell a lot of stuff. And clients that come to me through eBay, I, I kind of refer to as passive clients. And those are clients that um, basically they place an order like you would on Amazon. And they expect your, their product, and even though it's a custom commission, generally speaking, it's kind of a paint-to-order. So let's say if I paint up, um, well, we'll use, um, I, I recently did an Imperial Knight. Um, I do a Grey Knight, Imperial Knight. Mm-hmm. So it's painted to look like a Grey Knight, but we use the Imperial Knight kit, and it's fully magnetized, so it's an Imperial Knight. So that's something that we've sold three of so far. People like the color scheme, and they generally don't request any changes. So it's kind of a paint-to-order thing. Like, I know the paint scheme by now. I know the colors mm-hmm. by heart. So I can whip that out really quickly, and I have very little interaction with the client. So that's a passive client. Whereas an active client is someone like one of our commission clients who... Regular updates. Regular updates, regular yeah, pictures, yeah. online photo galleries. It requires a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um so in this case, what's happened in the last couple months is our eBay store has picked up. We're doing way more business there than we used to. So for me, my problem is all of the passive clients that I have to work with on a regular basis, like I have to fulfill all of these little orders that come in through the web store, eat into my active clients. Um, because the passive clients don't, they, they can't understand, like, I have this much shit going on. Right. Nor should they care. Yeah. It's not their problem, frankly. They pay for their product. They expect it in a timely fashion, which is fair. Um, but the problem is, is that I had to put off the terrain project for weeks. Um, and so when I finally got started, and now it's fully built, fully assembled, it's all primed. 
I'm just laying down the colors. Um, but frankly, terrain is a lot faster to paint than, than troops. So mm-hmm. I think it'll all come together over the weekend. So I'm excited to see it all, all work out. Uh, and I ordered a grassy mat from Frontline Gaming. Sweet. Um, who's one of our partners, sponsors and partners on the show. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to display it on their mat so we can get some really good pictures of it. Um, and then we'll have the mat in-house for, um, for future use. Sweet. So, that's one of the things I also want to do in the, for the studio in the near future is I want to um, basically create a gaming area. Um, yeah. And that might be a good use for Studio B. Maybe yeah. what we'll do is we'll do the gaming area over there, and we're going to also post cameras and stuff. And so we'll, we'll be able to use bat ropes. In fact, I'm going to yeah. talk to Pablo at Frontline Gaming this Friday, and we're going to sort of chew on... Uh, he's going to teach me some lessons about uh, battle reports, because they do it on Twitch TV every yeah. week, which um, I think their address is like twitchtv.frontlinegame, maybe? Or yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they do battle reports, I think, on Tuesdays. Tuesday nights. Um, so um, we've been watching those a little bit, kind of getting a sense for how they do it, which I think they do a pretty good job. They do a great job, yeah. yeah. Best that um, I've seen, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Live streaming. So if we can learn from them, um, you know, stand on the shoulders of, of the giant that is frontline gaming and how they <laughs> do it, like, absolutely, we should learn from their example. Um, all right, so that's what you're working on. You've got some stuff coming up next, but um, Valentin just finished up his major project for the last four or five mm-hmm. weeks the Tau army so that was kind of a quick, quick crank it in crank it out kind of army that was one of our 2k for 2k projects which is $2,000 for 2,000 points and that's available as a special through eBay we'll also have that on our website and the whole idea with that is we've done the estimates we've done enough army quotes to know that give or take 2,000 points cost about 2,000 bucks mm-hmm. so we just simplified the process and said 2,000 points $2,000 tabletop level so what's nice about that is we don't have to sit there and, and boil down every aspect of your quote. We don't have to sit there and get persnickety about all the details. You send us your list. I evaluate it. If I think we can do it in our budget, we do it. And in this case, it was a perfect solution for this one client, yeah, this Kyle client. And um, it looked great. I mean, it turned out really well. It's a nice contrast between this red hex pattern and the black shine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a big fan. And, and it's got the blue so. accents. Yeah. It's just a nice looking army. He did a great job. And um, I'm hoping to see more from him in the near future. I know he's working on um, a, um, um, uh, what do you call it, a kit bash storm, storm thunder, Ra- thunder, thunderhawk. thunderhawk. Yep. It's where you take the two storm ravens and you kit bash them together. So yeah. I know he sent me some pictures from that, and that's looking really good. Looks really, yeah. Yeah. I've been excited, because I've always wanted to do those, so I'm excited that he's getting to do one. Mm-hmm. Um, so on my desk, I've got, as I kind of said, I've got a lot of these little passive projects um, from eBay. So I've got... Um, um, a bunch of Stormcast Eternals actually um, that are I'm, I'm, I'm color matching your original Stormcast project we did for sample models so I'm working on all those I've also got a World Eaters project for a client which is all Forge World bits he's got the Forge World Demon Prince, the Forge World Herald and that's all going to be to a gold level so I'm really excited about that And he, he pulled out all the stops, he got all of the Forge World conversion bits so all wow. of the resin bits, so it is a true World Eaters army on top of that, we're using resin bases from Secret Weapon Miniatures. We're using all of their um, bone fields bases. So all of these guys will be standing on these fields of bones. Um, so it's just going to be a cool-looking project. Yeah. Um, and exactly. for a final kind of cool thing, he, he got a bunch of lightning claws from the Age of... Not Age of Sigmar. Horse, Horse Heresy Calf oh, yeah. set. So they're going to have kind of the old-school lightning claws, which That's I incorporated cool. into the new arms um, with a kit bash. And, uh, so it's going to be a really cool-looking project. I'm excited about it. Cool. Um, other stuff in the works. We've got a um, dread mob coming up. We're going to do a goth orc dread mob, and this is going to probably be a studio army to start with. But, but like most things, eventually it'll sell, probably through our web store. 
Um, we're doing that in anticipation for Studio B. We want to have a couple Studio Armies lying around. So I was looking for a quick and easy army. I'm a big work player. Jonathan's a big work player. <laughs> we had most of the stuff in-house to get the army going. So I was like, let's just supplement it with a few models we need. So we're going to whip that out, hopefully by um, end of June. Um, and other than that, we've got a, um, a uh, what do you call that thing? A Hyru Titan for the um, Tomb Kings range. That's a custom model. That I'm super excited about because that's really good. You got the together. bits. I saw that. Yeah. Well, you haven't seen him assembled. I've put him together over the weekend. Um, he actually looks really cool. He kind of looks like this giant... I don't know. It's hard to explain. I don't want to spoil it. But he kind of took... I took a lot of ideas from what other people have done and kind of incorporated them into it. And he's fun. He's kind of like... He's just a walking Tomb King's dreadnought, so to speak. He's just... He's really neat. Interesting. He's got like an interred Tomb King in his chest and a Lich Priest. Oh, and He's just really sweet. Neat. Um, so that's coming up, and um, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. We've got a couple storm surges that a client requested from us. He wants to do some missile arms for those instead of the missile pods. He wants them to actually have arms. So more like a broadside, kind okay. of a broadside crossover. Uh, oh, and Silver Tower. Um, so we're doing Silver Tower for, for Event Horizon Games. They asked us to do their demo copy. Sweet. So I put that together over the weekend. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in the gush section because that thing assembles so well. It's really, so pretty. The models look beautiful. I got to They're see nice. it. They're uh, nice, but the assembly I could not, I could not believe how easy it assembles. Really? We're going to talk about it in the gush a little bit later. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump back in. We're going to jump into our rotating segment, and we're going to talk about basing this week. Uh, and we will be right back after this word. If you are interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, We're going to jump into our rotating segment for the week. Um, This is something I haven't really talked to Philip about yet, but as you guys know, we've been redesigning the website over the past year. Uh, We just got our basing page up. Sweet. So, um, (laughs) basing has been one of those areas where people have been requesting custom basing more and more. We needed a price structure in line for mm-hmm. that. And so I, I, over the last year, kind of developed a price structure for the page. So it's a basing page in that it shows you classic examples of what our basing is in the past, what kind of standard basing entails. Um, for example, if someone says, I just want dirt and, and grass, or standard. if they're like, I want yeah. snow, or if I want desert. So we have some custom samples of that, but we also have what I call advanced basing. Which is, um, you know, like um, if you want standing on ruins, standing or... on ruins, or st- you know, standing in an Arctic wasteland, or standing in a dystopian Mad Max kind of future world where there's scavenged bits of metal all over the place. So we, over the past four or five years, we've just done lots of different basing. Um, so we incorporate all that onto the page. We have a pricing structure based on the size of the base. Um, in addition to that, we have pricing for resin bases, 3D printed bases flying bases we have something i call fallen foe which is where people oftentimes request a dead enemy on a base Mm -hmm. so we we have a pricing structure for that in place um um, and movement trays for people who are still old school war gamers who like uh, ages who like warhammer Mm -hmm. we have a price for movement trays yeah Yeah, flames of war Mm -hmm. how to custom do movement trays custom build them and magnetizing your figures to movement trays so essentially we created one a one page where everything you could think about for basing is represented um, our pricing structure is fair, I think, mm-hmm. and um, you can go and check it out now. 
In the past, most of the time, people haven't thought too much about how to base their models. Like, it's not been a big thing. But as we've gone on, we realize that this is another way to differentiate your model on the table. Definitely. Um, and there's so many companies now that make custom yeah. bases. GW just got in on it, too, now. So. They did with their plastic bases. <laughs> yeah. which, um, I guess we could talk about that a little bit. Like, what do you think of those? I mean, for the price point and how mm-hmm. many you get, I think they're fantastic. It's they killer, get, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed at how cheap you, you can get. So at first I thought they were going to be inserts that you glued on the bases, mm-hmm. but I actually think they're, they're actually just bases. They're full, yeah. They're full bases, so, you don't, so it's not labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at the pricing yesterday, and it was something like, I looked at 32 mils just for giggles, and it was something like 60 for $33. Yeah. Which averages out to about 50 cents a base. Which and is awesome. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. When you compare that to, let's say, a company that does bases, resin bases, and they do it for like, I don't know. 75 cents like a base or a dollar a base? Yeah, like a lot of them are like 10 bases for mm-hmm. 15, 20 bucks. So, so I think that what they did was they came in and they just said in a very big way, like, we're in this too. Yeah. Um, they decided, and, and they even did like a basing kit for like um, the night base, which is basically just a bunch of bits, mm-hmm. but they're kind of standardized. So, But that was actually something like I had wanted to, I was thinking about doing myself eventually was... Mm-hmm creating a kit where you can just break apart bits and just put them on your base. What's even nicer about that is you could even use that for terrain. You could use that for homemade barriers. Because they're all flat, they'll build well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, So, yeah, they jumped in in a big way. And that would be, um, if you were to to basically purchase those through us, we'll get those at a 25% discount. So even cheaper, Mm -hmm. you could get, like, the 60 bases for something like... I don't even know, like 20 bucks or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, something like that. And um, we actually have pricing. That would be under like our resin b- basing pricing. So basically what we would do in that case is we would um, paint those bases separately probably and then mount your figures to them afterwards, depending on the project, mm-hmm. of course. Um, we are going to launch a rebasing service in the future, um, and that was intentional for people that play Age of Sigmar that have to rebase their army to make it quick and efficient. But now in 40K... Um, moving Marines over from 28 to 32, this is a perfect time to rebase your figures. Like, GW now has these very nice-looking bases. Yep. So, you know, you could purchase those bases through us at discount. You could have us paint them up and rebase your models, all for a very good price. So if that's something you want to get into, email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know what you're interested in, and we'll be happy to talk with you about it. But in the meantime, check out our basing page. Uh, check out our, our pricing, and um, let us know what you have in mind. Uh, we're going to take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we're going to talk to Bo of the Army Painter about um, all things paint-related, mm-hmm. and um, we will be right back after this brief word. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We're going to jump into tips on technique tonight. Uh, we have a special guest on the show uh, all the way from Denmark. Um, his name is Bo and he runs a little company you might know called The Army Painter. Um, which is a, a high-quality manufacturer of paints and pigments, and um, you probably know them from their Quickshade line, but they've branched out and done all sorts of different products since then. So, Bo, thank you for joining us on the show. Hey, you're most welcome. So we had kind of a misconnection last time on the show. 
Um, we uh, tried to get up with you, and clearly the time difference is a, is a little bit of a problem here. So you're six hours ahead of us. It's uh, 9 a.m. our time, 3 p.m. your time. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what a typical day is like for you working over uh, at the Army Painter? Like, I- I'm guessing this is your sole endeavor at this point. Company or for me personally? Uh, well, I guess maybe a little bit of both, but probably more uh, more to do with the company. Is the Army Painter your full life uh, life job now, or is it sort of still a hobby business you do in your in your spare yeah, time? Um, if I get if I understand the question correctly, it's it's basically uh, a typical day in Army Painter's life right now is just production, ex- production, production. Ex- okay, great. So production, uh, production, production. And that's quite basically because we we grow with such a tremendous rate right now that we got we always have difficulties uh, fulfilling, and it's one of our key cornerstones in the business that we won't ever run out of anything, which is sort of a blatant statement that now bites us in the ass. If I'm allowed <laughs> to say that. Uh, you are indeed. And and what happens now is that we are in the process of uh, expanding our line of war paints, and uh, you heard it first here, by the way. Um, Excellent. And that is that is a lot of of, uh, of work involved. Obviously, if if we go, we have forty six countries we uh, we serve right now, and um, there's just a lot of paint that needs to be done correctly once and for all. So um, that's what I use spend most of my time with and my staff's time. Can you tell us a little bit about how Army Painter got started? Because when you when I first found out about your company. Um, it was through the Quickshade line, which um, for a long time people had a bad rep about what Quickshade did, but it actually, I think it was a great product. We used it quite a bit. And now that's kind of segued into just a huge range of paint, model, glue, all sorts of stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about the how the company began and, um, you know... About, about uh, nine years ago, I was the head of marketing for Games Workshop, uh, probably wow. today known as the Evil Empire. Um, and uh, and we agreed that I shouldn't continue um, as I was pulled back to the UK to, to uh, be able to sit there and I'd just have kids and all that stuff. You know, it was just time to separate. I worked there for 10 years, sure. uh, picked up a lot. Um, so I was sort of thinking what to do. I wanted to work for Lego because they've, they've, been, they've been after me for a while and I thought maybe we'll do that then because Lego, you know, it's, it's Lego. Yeah. Uh, and then my partner Jonas came along, uh, who used to work for Workshop as well, and uh, introduced um, something that reminded me mostly of floor varnish uh, that was thick and gooey and, and didn't quite work on miniatures, but we had an idea that it could. And uh, one thing led to another. Um, I just bought a house with a barn, so we started out there, and we started uh, making our own formulation of Quickshade, uh, along with a chemist that we hired in, um, spent all our money on that. And we actually perfected what we thought to a quick shade formulation that worked with miniatures by having a smaller pigment type. And then we just started producing. We were sitting out there looking like Oliver Twist, you know, with the, in the cold with hands, <laughs> finger hands cut off and, and just filling pots with quick shade and talking about how to launch this product to the world. Um, wow. That's, that's um, how, I mean, that's... that's how, that was the, the meager beginnings, uh, if that was what you were after, really. Yeah, no, that's that's actually great. I, I honestly had no idea that, that both you and Jonas were involved with GW, and um, that makes perfect sense why you would understand the, the market so well. Um, and, you know, I think that there was room for a quick shade-like product that no one was really tapping into. But, like I said, it, I think it got kind of a bad rep in the beginning because people didn't fully understand why it was different than varnish. But once you started using it, uh, it actually was a really simple, easy way to shade models, especially for tabletop quality models. I thought it was a great product. We used it quite a bit in the beginning. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, some of the things that also got bad reps in the beginning was our sprays, our color primers. 
and even I, our I, brushes I, with the triangular handles because everything we did we we thought of as being innovative we, we spent a lot of time with chemists and talking languages we didn't understand we just knew what we wanted in the end and when people learned how to use color primers uh, I don't think most people who've used one look back now, and that's not a dirty sales trick. It's, I think it's that we can see in our sales numbers. But no, the, I honestly, I think you guys were ahead of your time there. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was a great idea, and I think that now a lot of people, um, you know, because they, they were looking for a base color to prime with, color matching your primer to your base coat is just smart. It's smart thinking, especially when you have to do touch-ups and stuff like that. So, no, I thought it was a, a really innovative idea. I mean, the whole idea was to create a system for speed painting. Uh, yeah. And I actually pitched this idea to Workshop uh, before uh, I left the company. Um, and they said, no, what, whatever, paint like that. And that was not the real way to paint. So obviously, I had to prove them wrong in that. Um, so what happened then is I had the idea for the system, but I didn't have the money actually to go out and make a paint range. And I didn't have the skill set to do it at that time. Jonas, being a, a, an heavy metal painter, uh, knew quality when he saw it. I mean, he was trained by Mike McVie, and uh, and we obviously used Mike a lot in, in uh, talking about what is a good paint. Uh, but launching a paint line, as you'd ex, you know expect, is, is a costly affair, and it, it's a big risk you take. So we just wanted to build up a slow technique with you know primer, then you paint on with whatever paint you have, and then you quick shade, and and slowly we just moved into well, we should actually be an independent supporter of, of hobby accessories, uh, not, not not you know linking up with Games Workshop or linking up with somebody specific, but just being fantasy sci-fi. We have the colors, we have the means to for you to produce an army fast. That was that was what we did. And and you have kind of it looks like partnered up in some ways. Like for example, it looks like you've partnered up with Zombie Side, and you're kind of the official providers of paints for them. You've got ranges that support their product. Um, but, you know, overall, like you said, your guys' paints are not limited to any, it's not like you're the official, you know, paint for this. It's like, uh, it seems like, you know, because we use them, we mix and match them in with our regular paints all the time. Mm -hmm. um, especially the soft tones and the strong and the, and the uh, I was going to say dark tone. Um, those are kind of my go-to shades these days. Like, I just, I love them. Um, the pigments yeah, are very strong. But they leave a really nice, clean finish. They don't pool in the wrong areas. They're just—they're so easy to use. Um, so I, I can't say enough positive things about them. But they are good. But we did not develop those. Games Workshop did actually. They called Devlin Mod and the Dark Black. Uh, and back in the day, uh, Games Workshop used those, and we bought more or less taken the formulation and made it what we think better. But it's—it's it, their formulation back. Uh, you know, not their formulation, but it's the formulation they used for their Devlin Mod. And then we thought, well, if we have to do anything. Any inks, it has to be this quality or better. Um, we got it uh, analyzed, and you know, we, we we made what we thought was the right formulation for inks. I'm glad you like them. How do you? Uh, so, how did you go from working in the barn, <laughs> uh, making these quick shade pots, to jumping into paint? Like that must have been quite a leap. It's, it sounds like that you were having, um, you know, you need a, a line of credit to get started. You need some some opening funds to kind of get going. So, kind of yes. walk us through the process from quick shades to paints. I mean, the quick shade were. I mean, we quickly ran out of money, as you would expect. I mean, it was the beginning of the uh, of the uh, economical crisis that we're just more or less exiting now. Uh, so no banks wanted to be on board on this. You know, oh, yeah, I want to do floor warnings to toy soldiers, and they just you know turned the wide eyes. So, so even though us. you were the head of marketing for a major model manufacturer, they didn't trust your business instincts. 
No, they didn't. Because they didn't know Games Workshop as such. I mean, I didn't go to the UK bank, Barclays, though. I, I, I live in Denmark, so I tried all my Danish banks, obviously. Um, and whatever, whatever CV I had, uh, however impressive that might be in our little hobby, we can't, we can't forget it's a niche market. I mean, if it were Nokia from Finland, the telephones or iPhones or whatever, it would be different because everybody knows that. But if I had to sit in front of a, a, a board of, of uh, bankers and say, well, I've done this for the last 10 years and, uh, and I have this business plan and they don't even know what it is, they're not going to give me, you know, uh, half a million dollars to do it. So what we had to do was that we had to sell and then rebuy. So we had seven, uh, seven months without uh, any money whatsoever, um, just trying to, every time we sold something, we bought something new in. So if we sold three units, we bought an additional unit, you know, constantly building up stock. Um, and, and obviously we didn't stay in the barn forever. We were there for a year though, which is, feels like forever, but, um, you know, Danish weather and all. Um, but now we have a, a, a fairly large factory. I'm sitting in that right now. Um, big office full of toy soldiers, just as I wanted. So things have obviously changed. Um, but that comes with volume, obviously. So it sounds like you, you learn from lessons, some lessons from GW, specifically some of the products that they used to use, you kind of redeveloped on your end. So you hire a chemist, you guys kind of reverse engineer some of their product, but then you clearly engineer new product. Like there's some, you know, if we're saying something like strong tone closely matches, let's say Devlin Mud, that's one thing. But there's a lot of colors in your range that are not represented in other ranges at all. So how did you make that transition? Well, as, as I said, uh, we wanted a generic system for painting sure. sword soldiers, whether it was you know, World War I or, or Fantasy Orcs or whatever. Sure. Um, and, and Jonas was actually the mastermind behind all the color bits because he knew quality when he saw it. And yeah. I think paint is like religion a little bit. You know, some want it thin and some want it thick and some want it creamy and some want it less or more pigmented. You can't ever find the correct color you can just find the color you think is the best for what the job that you're supposed to do and for us it was space coding and a few highlights not not the whole blending into a thousand small bits thing so we went for a creamier more highly pigmented version of paint uh, so that that makes perfect sense because i have noticed that there's a more of an opacity to most of your colors it's not yeah. like like for example with reaper paints they'll have like a dozen different like layers to kind of like and they're usually thin and they're designed for highlighting but your paints are more i feel like designed for the typical gamer who needs generally speaking they want an opaque color if they want to thin it they can um it, yes, thin, it thins mean, very well but you're paying for a thicker more consistent paint that they can do what they want with true uh and and i think with the expansion of the range now you're going to see more of the repo style as you just mentioned or any other uh, a larger, larger paint uh, range. You're going to see highlight colors coming out to some of the basic we got now. I mean, the whole reason by starting off with 42 colors was that you actually don't need more. Those 42 colors are about 80% of all colors sold. The rest are just add-ons. However, when you when you have a range of only 42 colors and you get to a certain size, demand just becomes so big for having more colors because let's face it, we are not we are a bit of a um, you know, uh, lazy bunch of us wargamers. You know, if we can get a green that's similar to the one we just painted with, we'd rather use that one than mix it ourselves. And in the beginning, we thought, you know, oh, we can, like, we can turn people into using brick shade or the color primer or whatever. Let's let's turn people into mixing because then, you know, that saves money for everybody. 
Sure. But it's not how people paint, and we have to realize this. So now it's time for us to go out and meet the demands of having a wall paint range that is fulfilling, so to speak, so uh, without going paint, completely overboard. It's kind of a paint made with the painter that you're, you're, you know, you're um, appealing to in mind. Like in this case, you're trying to appeal to the mass painter who needs just a solid foundation paint that they can use, um, as opposed to like, let's say, um, you know, 50 different variations of one shade. Like this is more of a base set where it's like, here's, here's what you really need. It's a foundation color. Yes. Cool. Um, I mean, we, we've tried to take all generic colors. We ended up with 124 now, including some effects paints and, uh, and obviously a bit more inks and metallics. Uh, so I think what we end up with is more or less like a hundred different acrylic colors. Uh, so we don't go overboard on having, you know, 17 blue, but we sure. do have the blues in variation, blue with a little bit of red in, a little gray in. So sure. you do have the complete color mix if you have the full range. But I, I doubt that anyone will use every single color of that. But I don't think that's why you create a range now, is it? So I want to talk about other stuff besides just the paints, but before we move on real quick, um, we, we so rarely get to talk with paint manufacturers. Um, I feel like I definitely have to ask, how is it you guys go about creating a new color, like physically? like? Because uh, I which one, sorry? With, uh, with any color, really. I guess what I'm asking is, how does one go about, when you decide like there's a need for a color, like let's say you decide that you need some sort of teal blue, like, you don't have it in your range. I'm not saying you do or don't. I think you do, actually. But let's say you didn't. How would you go about the process of developing that? Would you look for pigments in, I guess, the world that closely match what you want? Or would you <laughs> talk to your chemist friend and be like, look, here's what we're trying to do? Can you kind of give us, like, the... the yeah, the, the, you're the okay. I wish it was that difficult, because that would make me sound really clever. Sure, uh, sure. It, it's not, actually. There are four pigments. And those four pigments just need to be added... In different variations, you can create any color in the world, basically, you know. So we're just uh, talking about, like, primary colors, like red, green, yeah, blue. Yeah, absolute, absolute primary colors. And um, and what you do is that you then, like, like you go to, a, you want to paint your wall, and you have a, a Pantone card, or you have a rattle sheet or something, and you go, I want that color, and the machine blends it. It's, it's, it's like that for all paint manufacturers over the world now. I mean, the technology is just, it's so easy to create a color uh, in any tone you, you would want. However, the difficulty sure. comes with creating, I mean, when you can create any color you want, which colors do you create? And right. that's actually the difficult part. Right. Um, so it sounds more like the, the, the challenge is in the design, not in the manufacture. It's in deciding what is the color that you're going to embrace that you think people Correct. need, that Correct. kind of thing. That's why we open up for the private label bit, like with Zombicide and, uh, and um, you know all the other all the other companies uh, we we sell paints to now Battlefront and so on. It's basically they tell us what color they want and we make it and then we we can make it into an exact. They can sit and mix a color and we can match that color via computer. So it's um, and then the last bit is like by sight, but it's you know it's it's not as technical as it sounds. I, I wish it were obviously. Uh, as I said before. Well, no, I mean, it sounds like sort of when I go into about, uh, a Home Depot or a Lowe's, which I don't know if they have those in Denmark, they probably do, um, you know, if I want to color match something, I just bring them in a sample and I say, match this. And like you said, like they kind of analyze the color based on, um, I'm going to guess, how light hits it or something like that or how light reflects. And then from there, it's really just a, a process of like adding the right amount of color and, and you know, pigments and binders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. And I think that the problem that we face is that there are weak pigments. I mean, let's, let's face it, yellow is not, never going to cover really well. 
uh, unless you no, put so much uh, matte material in it that it dries instantly. Right. Um, th there are these. Green is not very strong. Blue is good. Black is, you know, you use chalk for white. But they are different. I mean, it's not it's not that easy. But I'm just trying to. What I'm trying to say, I think, is is that it's not difficult to create a certain uh, tone of color. What's difficult is to get the right consistency with that pigment you add in. So the white has a tendency to, to be very thick. Uh, and you need to, to water it down. But if you water it too much down, since it's acrylic color, it'll just get sort of a watery, non-covering color. So it's, that's, that's actually the, the expert part of it, I think. Not creating the part. That's interesting because many of the things you're explaining are struggles that we, we kind of deal with when we paint. Like, you know, for example, white is always kind of a tacky color for me in that it's gritty, it doesn't lay smooth, it doesn't like to be thinned. Um, Yellow, the coverage is generally speaking, and this is across all brands, for the most part, yellow is a very thin color. It's kind of transparent. It, it doesn't have a lot of opacity. So it sounds like many of the things we go through, you guys go through as well, just at a, at a manufacturing level. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, basically, when I have to sell you a yellow, I have mm -hmm. to make sure that it's as good as I can physically make it. Sure. Uh, in our, you know, it, it might be that people don't want to pay anything for anything anymore because they want the cheapest <laughs> bit, but still... In our niche, it's not exactly like that. People love quality. I mean, quality miniatures, we're used to them, right? Workshop ships them out, and there are so many new companies uh, getting started with Kickstarter and so on that makes wonderful models. So we're seeing quality as never before. That means that we can never compromise on our quality. Uh, we can't just make a paint range and then sit back and say, oh, this was great, you know, 15 years ago, uh, and it's still selling. We have to, in order to be an independent company that people will go to, and you not, not not have the loyalty of, oh, I, I paint uh, Warhammer, so I buy Warhammer paints. It has to be the best we can produce at a price that is less than what an established gaming company has. You see the dilemma here. So I, Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, that's music to my ears to hear someone say, you know, basically, like, we're not going to compromise quality. We want the finest for our clients. That's great. I mean, I think that's, yeah, well, that's I, wonderful. Anybody can say that, but I think I hope... Uh, that that our colors are proven, uh, you know, can can back up what I say. I mean, uh, a, a color like our black, it sounds easy. Black, our our black color is one of the things I'm most proud of. If you've tried to paint with it, it covers it tremendously well, uh, and I think it's one of the best ones in the industry. And black is is uh, is actually one that you usually get measured on. So obviously, I'm proud of that one. Then we have a yellow that. It's as crap as anybody else's yellow, really. <laughs> well, I can attest that the black yeah. is fantastic. I just use it on an entire army. So I've been going to town with your matte yeah, black. It's to help you then, you know, but that, that should save some of it. Uh, some of all the base coating you don't have to do. So yeah. why don't we talk a little bit about um, just other aspects of the company? Because as you say, you've, you've expanded quite a bit. Now you guys offer a full range of modeling products, um, hobby brushes, glues, um, you, you've got, you know, basing materials. Like, th there really seems to be no end to what Army Painter is getting into. Can you take us a little bit from the journey of, uh, I guess, from paint to means to deliver paint, like the brushes and all that sort of stuff, and, and maybe what's down the road for Army Painter? What can we look What can we look forward to from you guys? I'm not sure I get the... Uh, sorry, the, the connection from... Yeah, here. sure, it's okay. Let me, uh, let me try to s simplify a little bit. So you guys sell way more than paint. So... Yeah. What um, what can we look forward to in the future, and um, 
how did you guys go from paint to, let's say, glue and brushes and stuff? All right. Uh, so take the last question first. Uh, actually, it's a process of having uh, an entire range without range fillers. So when you enter Army Painter, you should be able to take any box you just bought uh, as a gaming manufacturer, and our product should help you go from uh, until the second you unbox it till it's completely painted and done on the table. That was that was our uh, goal all along. So that's why we have developed the tufts. Why we have uh, you know everything that's just uh, special and looks good on a model is something that we'll probably try to some. Pardon me. Somehow, uh, you know, squeeze into our range. Um, so glue was the next. You know, you have you got to have a step. You have got to glue the models. You got to file them and clip them and you know all that. So that's actually pre-step to our technique. So we needed that in, and it took us quite a while to get the quality um, combined with price because it's very sensitive. You can buy a you know a china file for nothing, uh, but if you wanted a, a you know a diamond file. It costs a lot of money, and if you're still gonna able to sell it uh, to your competition, so you look good and the value is always super great, then you don't make a lot of money on it. So we it took us quite a while to get around of actually thinking. Well, if I was a war gamer, which I am, what would I use? And I think that just made things so much simpler because um, I'm an ETC uh, 40k gamer, and I play a lot of you know Frostgrave and stuff on the side, and Jonas does as well. And it just makes it easy once we once we actually stopped all our business thinking and all our marketing strategies. We just looked at it and saying, what would we use? And we just used that person. If, if it costs more, then that's what it has to cost, you know. And then just the tool line just fell into place. Um, so did the glues. Uh, we tried 10, 15 different glues, uh, blind, like you would do a Coke and Pepsi. And we found this is the one that, that's best. And uh, we took that one. You know, it was really that simple in the end. We just... Overdid it, you know. Overthought so, it in the beginning. It's not. It's so, not rocket science. It's sure, not, sure. That's it. So, in some of these cases, it sounds like you're not developing the product. You're just sort of embracing it and endorsing it, kind of like well, the glue. Yeah, but you can say that. But when it comes to, for instance, color primers, that was a hard development process. I mean, you sure. have to take primer and add pigment. So we do develop. A lot of. Oh stuff. yeah, no, not to say that you don't. Just to say that, like, um, in, in some cases, like. You're just, you know, like you said, you're trying to take the painters or hobbyers rather from beginning to end, from the time they yeah, unbox sure. their models yeah. to the time they finish their models. Me, yeah, yeah, and you want to just support them completely. I, I think that's great. Um, well, we, we're sitting here, all of us, because we probably met wargamers and uh, have a love, uh, just a right. deep love for the hobby. And I think sure. bringing that, you know, that's why we have gaming nights. And I mean, we, we have five gaming tables always set up for our staff to go and paint. Uh, if you work for us, all miniatures you buy are free. If you paint them, uh, and you know, there's all these kind of benefits. It just adds to this hobby. You know, it is a blessing that we talk about. It's like old school games workshop in in Eastwood uh, near Nottingham in England uh, 15 years ago. That was a place to be. That was cool. You know, uh, that's, that's really great. Still, that's still sort of rogue, and then people went went and did what they wanted, and new releases came and went. But everybody was playing with miniatures, and yeah. that's the kind of thing that we're trying to build here. And it just makes it easier. So whatever we have a product. We throw it out to our staff, and, and they don't hold back. Trust me, there's a lot of stuff I have in my bin that's never going to see the light. <laughs> well, I mean, Bo, that sounds so exciting. It's so neat to hear someone that's so passionate about what they do. And, and you clearly have a great love of the hobby, and you bring that love to your business, it sounds like. Well, isn't that, isn't that what, you know, what every, every boy's dream is? 
kind of, you know, and, and what you guys do right now. I mean, it's uh, yeah. spreading spreading the word about hobby. It's, uh, it's really cool. I sell hobby. That's really great. But I also use a lot of hobby. So, you know, it all works out that way. And obviously being to tournaments like ETC uh, in um, the various locations. It was Eastern Europe when I was there last time. I missed the Paris one. Uh, is it's great. You get to talk to all gamers, and you go out, and whenever I'm in I'm in the states, I always visit some businesses and talk to customers. It's the only way to feel if what you're doing is right, because I think uh, the Games Workshop model used to be the like McDonald's for fast food. Everybody wanted the you know the, the Big Mac, uh, but it's not the case anymore. And and uh, I think we're seeing a lot of interesting small companies pop up with the same attitude towards the hobby as we have. And I think they, these are the ones that we try to go out and find. Um, like Cool Mini and Not, they're becoming really big now. But when we started with them, they were up Very and coming, so to speak. You know, right? Yeah. This one is, is big, but you know, we're trying to work with with Frostgrave to do some some of that. And you know, we got lots of lots of um, licensed products lined up that yeah, the guys are going to see in the next year or two. Uh, is there any kind of preview you can give us for what's coming down the pike? Can you give us any uh, like? Um, I don't know teasers about what we can expect down the road. Uh, Without giving away too much, I'm not sure I'm allowed to. Right okay. Now. Well, you <laughs> you run the company, so if anybody can. <laughs> the um, the big thing for us right now is the expansion of our wall paint range, which okay. uh, uh, you know it's going from 42 colors to 125 sure. on a six, wow. and and that's obviously. Uh, a huge investment for us, and we yeah, use all the three times as many experience we have from all from the past years in the hobby to make the best thing we can ever we can ever produce. Um, apart from that, then uh, a lot of the companies that I mentioned before, um, Hawk, uh, War, uh, Hawk Commander, the, what are they called? The uh, Drop Zone Commander guys, Hawk War Games. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to we're talking to lots of different uh, companies that want either a full range or they want to support their range with uh, paints. And and the cool thing about war paint now is that they're winning in. People can see that it's a, it's a great paint. Uh, some of our paints, I think, are the best. Some of them are not the best. Uh, but generally, overall, the range is very good and solid. Uh, it's an affordable price. And I just think the fact that we can produce different colors, you know, any color, as I mentioned before, just makes it very interesting for people to work with us. And we love... You know, we love working with people that are as passionate as we are. I mean, it's a hell of an after-party once you launch a product. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's worth taking into consideration. Um, well, it so, sounds like a great place to work. I mean, it just sounds like you guys are having a good time doing what you love. Well, we, we like to think that, that it is. You know, we're not quite there yet, but uh, we just expanded our, our factory uh, into... You guys use meters of feet? Feet. Feet, yeah, about three and a half thousand square feet right now. Ooh, wow, uh, that's which big. makes a great gaming room that we are equipping right now with the uh, <laughs> scenery. So it should be cool, but you know, maybe maybe it's just the, the hardcore hobbies. And you know, thing is really great. Maybe it's just a job when you're standing out in production. I wouldn't know. We definitely try to make it funny. You know, uh, uh, I mean, I think that combining your work and your passion is a great idea. And, I, you know, it, it makes me feel good to hear that a company is kind of embracing what used to be, you know, kind of something, a perk of working at a company like Games Workshop. And you guys have kind of taken that torch and, and ran with it. I think it's great. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks. We, um, we like to think so, too. 
Well, Bo, you've been really generous with your time. I can't wait to see what Army Painter does next, and we're going to definitely keep up with you guys. We're going to follow you guys and see, you know, try to get some pictures. And uh, you know, we we can't wait to see where you guys are going. Well, thanks very much for your time as well, guys. It's been a pleasure. Sure. Well, guys, hang on for just one second. We'll take a brief break, and we'll be right back after this. Let's be honest. You'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our one-minute rant or gush. Um, I'm going to kick this one off this week, because uh, I'm not even for sure if you have a rant or gush this week. I'm not, not for sure. either. We'll yeah, see. We'll <laughs> see. So, um, uh, Event Horizon Games, which is a local game store here in Raleigh, or Garner technically, uh, which is one of the surrounding cities, they um, hired us to do their sample set or their promo set for Silver Tower. And w- at the time when I picked it up, obviously anytime I, I get a, a model from a client, I'm always happy to take it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, holy fuck, when am I going to fit this in? Yeah. It's um, huge. It's a lot of models. It's 50-some models. Yeah. It's like 51 models. It's like six character models. And um, But what I will say is that um, what GW did with this set, which was brilliant, is that because it's not a modular set, it doesn't have like, you know, it's not meant to be swapped out like a tactical marine box. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have a choice of weapons. Everything comes standardized. So what they did was is they, they cut the models in such a way that most of the models, the smaller models specifically, glue together with only two or three pieces for the whole thing. They're well posed, and the cuts are normally uh, like bifurcated in some way. So what I mean by that is it might cut across the chest, like from the front of the chest. If you can imagine, like in like uh, a ninja movie, when a guy cuts his enemy in half <laughs> and the body kind of slides off each other, it's kind of yeah. like that. In that the parts go together in a way that is really seamless. There's yeah. almost no mold lines. So last night, sitting around a game, I was able to put together um, basically 40 models in the span of about three hours, which normally would take way yeah. longer than three yeah. hours. Normally it would take like a closer to eight hours because you have to separate the models, you have to scrape mold lines, you have to do all that. These guys pose them. Yeah. Pose them. <laughs> yeah, takes forever. So the only problem with it is, is they only come one way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't pose them. There's no posability. But that being said, there doesn't really need to be for Silver Tower. No, no. Um, so they go together fast. There's almost no mold lines at all, um, and they they look great. Actually, they are. They're, They're really, really beautiful models. models. Like the um, main guy's got like tattoos embedded into like his yeah, skin. Yeah, the, 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 like... the um, ogroid. Thaumaturge, yeah, the, the big um, bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 it's kind of their take on an ogre magi. Um, but I like Ogroid Thaumaturge much better. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> cooler. Um, but he's he's kind of awesome, actually. Yeah, he's freaking sweet. Um, and it got me thinking about their origins in the hobby. And like people don't really know this, but back in the day, games like Hero Quest and Battle Masters, all of the miniatures from those were made by Citadel Miniatures. So that was kind of their beginning foray. And back in the day, they had this thing called a gargoyle, which, if you have never seen it, is absolutely the inspiration for the Bloodthirster. Like, if you look at the old gargoyle from HeroQuest, then it was this big dog-faced-looking thing with big bat wings, and it had a whip in one hand and a sword in the other. It was absolutely a Bloodthirster in, in, in training kind of thing. Um, and you cut to now, where they're basically doing, like, Silver Tower, the the... 
the difference is massive. It's huge. It's yeah. so big. It's like stepping from a dark room into a lighted room. It's amazing. Um, so I can't say enough positive things about Silver Tower. It really is a good-looking game, a ton of models, a fair price. Um, I'm really excited about putting it or putting some paint on it. I'm actually really, really into it. So we're going to be working on that in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's my probably over one minute gush, but it's a good yeah. game. You should do it. Yeah. yeah. Rules uh, are supposed to be fantastic too. Like it's actually fun to play. Yeah. It's long. Cool. It takes a while. Um, what, um, do you have a rant or gush for us? Um, well, we kind of mentioned it in the, in the basing thing. I was actually very excited to see that GW is getting into that and that at a price that was quite affordable. Sure. So, um, I was going to kind of gush on that a bit. Um, they're nice. They are. I, I think the only thing I'd like to see is I'd like to see some variety, some yeah. more sets. Yeah. So they've got the, I guess they have the range of 32 or 28 all the way up to like Imperial Knight size or right. just well, below well, that. Well, the Knight size they have like, um, it's like a kit, but yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, but I would definitely like to see more diversity, mm-hmm. like Alien Worlds or like yeah, Tyranid World or sure. Jungle Planet, like that'd be crazy. Cool. Or even something like Eldar Ruins or mm-hmm. Tau. Mm, I don't know what you call that. Tau City. Tau have. I've, I've heard Set. it called Tau City, S E T I or C E T I, but I don't know if that's like a weird word for city or <laughs> probably maybe I made up word for city. Um, but they're they're nice. Basically. Yeah, like I'm more. excited to see that, and of course, hopefully now that GW is getting into that, that means we'll get a lot of. Projects that will incorporate that into the or people wanting to incorporate that into their armies. So I'd love to That'd see be that. Cool. Or like an industrial army. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, like a Mechanicum would be awesome. There's I've been wanting to. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that. I've been wanting to do this Dark Mechanicum project for a while. I've always been really fascinated mm-hmm. with Dark Mechanicum because Adeptus is fine, um, but the Dark Mechanicum is kind of a, a way to work in fleshcraft, which is a nice way of saying cybernetics and bionics. Mm-hmm. So you can take sort of anything you want from any range and kind of work it in together. So for my army, I really wanted to do like a little bit of Necron, a little bit of like kind of like Chaos, a little bit of Adeptus, mm. and kind of make it look like sort of, when you look at the, the Dark Eldar range and they've got those um, those kind of automatons, what do they call those guys? The, they're, um, they're the these, grotesques? Yeah, the grotesques. I wanted it to kind of feel like that. Yeah. Like they're kind of part metal, part flesh, a little bit of both. Um, a little chaosy. Yeah, a little chaosy, yeah. a little Necron-y. Um, so um, Frontline Gaming has this great map called, like, um, uh, it's either Industrial. Uh, it's like something a, like that. Yeah. But it looks like a factory floor. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a really cool map. And these bases would match that exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think really close. Um, so if you were to pick up a map from us at a discount, because we do offer fat mats at a discount now, mm-hmm. um, through them, and then you hired us on to base your project in the style of the GW bases, perfect I mean, project. Yeah. A lot of the work is already done, so Why it's going to save you cost. So, yeah, it's great. And then on top of that, you can even do a terrain project with us. Like, mm-hmm. hire us to do a, a terrain project. So your one-stop shop, you can do your terrain board, your basing, you can get your mat from Frontline Gaming, uh, you can get your army. Like, why is, this not, why is someone not calling me right now to set this up? Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break after this um, gushy morning, and um, we'll be right back with our outro. We'll be back after this. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're at like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button some point in time in their lives. 
For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial. Like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information. And until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We are out of here this week. This takes us into our exit strategy for the podcast. Mm. Um, next time on the show, we're hoping to have um, the great JoJo Man. He is a conversion artist in the UK. Um, we've been trying to get him on the show for a while, but apparently he's been moving flats, um, which hmm. I think is their word for apartment. Yes. He's not like a, a theater guy moving like <laughs> flat theater trucks. flats or like <laughs> or flatbed trucks. I didn't think about that. Um, so he's been relocating his studio, and um, he's a really, really talented artist. I like his conversion work a lot. And um, he's he's done. He has his own take on Dark Mechanicum. Maybe we'll talk to him a little bit about that. That'd be helpful because it's killer. Yeah. Oh, it's a great looking army. Um, so we'll hopefully have him next time on the podcast. Um, we are looking actively for our next um, sponsor for the show. So if that's you, reach out to us at info at whitemetalgames.com or warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know what you're interested in um, sponsoring, which segment you're interested in sponsoring. Um, I think we have about three sponsorship left, sh- slots left right now. Um, it's really cheap. It's only about 120 bucks a quarter. So it's not bad. Over the yeah. course of a year, less than $500. Um, our viewership has gone through the roof. Like we went from a couple... A uh, dozen yeah. <laughs> listeners when we started the show to hundreds now. Last month we had something like 600 unique listeners. Wow. So really good. Fantastic. I'm really excited for where the show's going. Um, so let us know if you're interested in sponsoring to our, our, our I guess, expanding audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and also let us know who you're interested in us talking with. Yeah. Yeah. Questions that you guys want to ask, like yeah. our upcoming uh, interviewees. Yeah. Follow the link to his like site. Take a look at his stuff and let us know what you would like us to ask the great Jojo Man. Um, you can also find him on, U- on YouTube as Enter the Wolf Time. I think that's his other call sign. Um, and he's, he's just a really interesting guy. But also moving down the pike, if there's other stuff you want us to talk about on the show, let us know. Um, at this point, we're looking for other professionals to interview, mm-hmm. um, whether they be hobby service or artists or terrain services or really just about anything. We're open-minded. So let us know what you're interested in hearing about, and we'll reach out to those people. We are based East Coast, uh, USA, so <laughs> keep in mind time zone. <laughs> Bo was in trouble yeah, to get hold of, and he's only six kind of hours tricky. Different, so. um, But I think is six hours maybe the worst it could be? Like, Well, no, like Australia is like 12 oh, hours. Shit, fuck. We get some people that. from like China and India. <laughs> I don't know if that'll ever happen, yeah, that's but that'd be funny. Well, that would be interesting. I mean, there yeah. are some basing companies down in Australia, like Bass mm-hmm. Back to Basics, so that'd be kind of neat. But. Well, there's that Kickstarter right back that I would love to talk to them from Twisted. Yeah. I'd love to talk to those Oh, guys, sure. Yeah, it's like a 12 hour, almost 10 or 12 hour. Oh, I see, that's a problem. Yeah, that'd be different. Well, maybe we could do it at late, maybe we could do it at 9 p.m. our time, 9 a.m. their time. Maybe yeah, cool something like that. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this week on War Council. Um, my name is Caleb Dunn with My Metal Games. Now, Phil Kwong with Brushwork Minis. And until next time, put your minis where your mouth is. Mm-hmm.